my name is Violet and I'm obsessed with all things personal development. As a life, health, wellness, and meditation coach, I love empowering you through difficult seasons of life so you can venture and live a life you truly love. Join me as I cover topics on health and wellness, money, business, work, great relationships, not so great relationships, love, loss, family, achieving those beautiful goals, creating balance in life, growth, and so much more. Consider this your one stop on a shop for a little happy hour blended with your personal school of life. Grab a drink, get cozy, and get ready to be challenged and inspired while you learn. This is the Venture Love Podcast. I'm so excited and honored to have this very special guest on the Venture Love podcast. For our listeners, you'll definitely want to check Yvonne Palencia out. I met Yvonne many years ago at a robotic startup that we worked at together, and I learned what a beautiful ray of sunshine she is to literally everyone she meets, and I tell her this all the time, you're a ray of sunshine. Um, Yvonne is also a small business owner of Scarlet Sky Alchemy, where she handcrafts beautiful one-of-a-kind sterling silver rings and above all Yvonne is what I consider to be the epitome of a true divine survivor I'm so blessed to call you a friend and happy to have you on the podcast so welcome Yvonne thank you so much for having me Violet I'm very excited to talk about what we're going to chat about so yeah thank you for making this space of course thank you for being on so I know that when I first reached out to you and was interested in having you on the podcast I considered that it was just a very sensitive and huge ask, right? Considering everything that you had been through. And, you know, I knew there was a potential that you'd say like, no, I'm not ready. Or just no, it's not something I want to share and talk about. But I'm so profoundly honored that you said yes, because I believe that everyone has a story to share. And your story is so, um, it's a huge story. And it's your personal story. And I'm just so blessed that you're here to tell us about everything you've gone through, which is so difficult, but how you are here today and how you've made it through such an incredible path, this journey that you've been on. So um, if you're comfortable sharing, of course, how did this day start out that changed your life forever? What do you remember most about the day? Okay. So it happened in 2021. So we were definitely out of kind of the the peak of COVID. So restaurants were starting to open. It was a beautiful day. And so randomly, it was a night before, I was like to my family, my mom, sister, brother, I was like, let's go to Healdsburg. You know, it's gorgeous. The weather's perfect. We haven't really been to a restaurant in so long. Let's just go, you know? And then morning up, we were like, yeah, let's just do it. It was very, you know, kind of last minute, really. And then my sister's best friend ended up joining us as well. Um, so yeah, it was going to be a beautiful day, packed up, headed. And it was around Santa Rosa where traffic came to an immediate halt. Um, I then learned traffic stopped because there was a car accident in front of us, right? So that caused like, and it was a huge car accident as well. Um, there was actually a death in that car accident, but Traffic stopped, and I just remember, and it was my uh, sister's best friend driving, 
I just remember, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in like those like moments where it, like your passenger and it looks like you're about to hit and you're like, oh my God, that was close. That's what, that's the last memory I had was, oh my God, that was close. And then I completely lost consciousness, but then gained it very soon. Actually, I remember feeling like I had been drugged almost or so, like I couldn't, I, I don't know how to describe it other than I felt like just completely muffled and can barely hear anything or feel anything. Um, and it's actually really amazing that I remember so much. Um, I think it's because I'm a very calm person and that's definitely what saved, <laughs> saved yeah, saved me in that moment as so I stayed very calm. But anyway, um, yeah, going back a little bit, I just remember um, I actually definitely died. I had an experience where I was in a white space mm. and it was little me and little me was looking at me and was like, oh, oh my gosh. And I was like, and then little me was offering oranges even, right? And I remember little me extending her arm. It, but in that moment, Violet, I knew that if I would have grabbed her arm, I would have left. I just, it I was just this. Got chills, you want, I just yeah. got chills. And it's this feeling that I knew it was, I just, it was so clear. It was so clear. And I was like, no. And then that's when I was like, no, no, I have to, like, I have to wake up. I, like, what is this? And then I was like fighting just like mentally to wake up. And like I said, I can hear footsteps, I can hear voices around, but it was very quiet. Like car scenes are very silent, like no noise except for footsteps and like things that were immediately close. And then of course, once I gained consciousness, I couldn't move. I was passenger in the middle back seat, which is the most dangerous seat, maybe. I don't know, yeah, that's kind of subjective. I just remember the first thing I thought I looked up and I was stuck in this, like, you know, I was stuck in this like position, but I looked up and I remember saying, this is really bad. This is a very bad car accident. And then I looked to my left because I couldn't hear anything. My brother was next to me and he was alive. So I was like, okay. Um, and he was alive, not because he was, you know, alive. He was alive because I couldn't hear him squirming, right? So at least there was life in there. Um, and same with my mom. I mean, my mom's my mom's case is insane. But again, I just, I remember hearing her fighting for her life. So I was like, okay, there's life at least, you know? And then my sister was having a panic attack. She was the one who was least injured. Um, and then my sister's best friend did not get injured, which is miraculous. So the impact, it was a man who was super drunk driving, he was driving a pickup truck and he actually hit us from the right side. So it makes sense that the passenger was least injured. My mom was on the right, so she was the most injured. And I was, you know, we were all injured differently. It was a long 40 minutes to get me out. Oh my God. Um, yeah, slowly kind of, you know, ambulance, fire trucks, um, they were able to pull my mom out, which thank God. Before that happened, though, before anyone was even pulled out, I just started praying because that's what I know to do. I just started praying over everyone in that vehicle, over our lives, um, and just 
using my voice to keep everyone calm. Like I said, my sister was having a panic attack. So I was like, Paola, just, you know, relax, calm down. We're just in a car accident. It's okay. And then my sister having a panic attack um, started also freaking my brother out. So he was like, like, stop, like, stop. It's too much. And I was like, Paola, calm down. And I was like, Manuel, we're going to be okay. Just breathe. And then stay with my mom. I was like, mom, just breathe. Everyone's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. We were just in a car accident, but it's okay. Everyone just breathe. And then I literally just led everyone into breath and just, just like breathing really loud for myself, of course, too, you know, but then for my mom and sister and brother. Um, and then I couldn't feel anything. It must've been the adrenaline at that point. I didn't feel any pain. I was just stuck. Um, but uh, I grabbed my brother and sister's, I mean, sorry, my brother and mom's hands and they're on my lap and I'm just holding them to like, you know, help ground them. But then they both, for whatever reason, I think it's because my mom started to get a panic attack. They both grabbed my legs and started to both get panic attacks at the same time. And they were shaking my legs. And when they moved my legs, that's when I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And then, like, I can just feel all the pain. And it was awful. It was absolutely painful. And then, again, it was just long, very long minutes of keeping everyone calm. I think it was, like, after 30 minutes, they were able to pull my mom out. They had to, like, break doors and cut the ceiling. We were so crushed. That vehicle looks like an accordion. And we were so smushed. Um, Took my mom out. Thank God they took my brother out next. And it was just such a relief because I knew that they, I knew I was physically broken, but I also knew that they needed immediate life assistance. I, they were more gone than they were here. And uh, so huge relief. And I remember the firefighter being like, hey, sweetie, like, can you slide out? I was like, I cannot move. Like, I can't move. Um, so again, they had to like open more of the top of the vehicle. Like I said, I'm in the middle, so it's harder to get to me. Oh my gosh, Violet. And I just remember when he grabbed me and pulled me out, I, the sounds will never leave my mind. I probably think about this almost every day, but I could hear like all the bones just crackling and I was pulled out from the left side and I yelled so insanely loud and then they put me on the gurney and it was the absolute most amazing feeling I had ever felt because of what I had just been pulled out of and I was sat on the journey on the gurney and I remember feeling the sun on my face and I had never felt the sun so close and it just embraced me and its warmth and I knew it was gonna be okay like I was just we're, we're, you know, it's, it, it's going to be okay. Um, and then, yeah, I just remember again, so much adrenaline. So although that was painful, once I was in the ambulance, absolutely no pain. I don't know if they pumped drugs right away. Um, but I just remember kind of the typical, you know, um, kind of cry. I mean, a car accident seed, ask you if they can, I was wearing one of my favorite dresses too. Like, ma'am, can I rip your dress open? I'm like, do whatever you have to do. Um, you know, and then, yeah. And then, and then I ended up going to the hospital and yeah. And I remember everything so clearly. I remember like being pushed into the emergency room and like everyone making space and all the nurses were like, you know, it was so much commotion because there had been a car accident, like I said earlier in front of us. 
So there was a bunch of people from that car accident also in the emergency room. It was crazy. And yeah, I just remember being laid on this like silver, like stainless steel table basically to be inspected. Um, and so they were like moving me around and that's when I could just feel everything. It was when people would move me around and I'd just be like, wait, like, wait, stop, stop. Like one second, give me a second. Hold on, let me catch my breath. This is insanely painful. And then they're like, okay, but like, we have to do this now because we don't know what's, I'm like, okay, <sighs> you know, like what, one second, just one second, I'd catch my breath and then they would just kind of inspect and then I couldn't take it. So they pumped more drugs. Those drugs made me insanely dizzy. I remember calling a nurse like, hey, can you come talk to me really quick? Like, I am about to like faint or something in the room spitting. What's going on? Like he talked to me and then he was like, okay. And then once he, you know, was like, trying to calm me down I ended up you know throwing up and I had to clean it up and then and then I don't remember and then that's when I went into surgery okay oh my goodness Yvonne I don't even like I just physically I'm a sensitive person and literally my palms are sweating because I feel as though I'm empathetically and I know I could never uh, go through what you've been through but like I'm literally visualizing what you're describing so far and it's just it's just unbelievable. It, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge miracle. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's also, um, yeah, it's really very interesting that I remember so much of it because your brain actually shuts off to protect itself. But mm -hmm. again, I think it's just the fact that my I, I kept myself calm so that my brain didn't have to shut off. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, such intensity. And I can just imagine all the things going through you physically, emotionally, thinking of everyone. I know my next question was to ask now that I understand before getting to the hospital, what that whole journey was like, it's just madness. And then going into surgery, and I know you're being pumped with all kinds of probably pain medicines to numb things out and to keep you calm. When you did wake up, or even during surgery, I've heard of certain people remembering bits and pieces or hearing things or um, when you woke up from surgery what was the first initial thought you had I know it takes a little bit to kind of get out of surgery to be fully yeah. conscious but what were those thoughts or feelings that came up for you so I actually did have a during surgery experience um, I remember seeing my body on you know the operation table and looking and seeing the surgeon and nurses around working on me. Yeah, I, I get the chills thinking, of, I had forgotten about that actually. Yeah, and I remember just being like, and then again, just- Got them again, oh my gosh. It's insane, it's so wild, Violet. Yeah, and I, nothing like that had ever happened to me ever in life. And same, I had heard of it happening to people and it does happen. It's like your spirit kind of gets out of your body and you're, you're able to kind of see what is happening to the flesh in that moment. That's what it was. I was in the ICU, of course, when I woke up and I just remember really not being able to move my body at all. What I could move were my arms and I couldn't move my neck, um, but I can move my toes, but even that would hurt. Like even when I would move my toes, it would really hurt. So when I woke up, I had been through, um, three surgeries already and I just remember though like the only feeling Violet I had in the moment was 
pure ecstasy, pure elation, 100% gratitude in the deepest form I had ever experienced. I was just simply happy to be alive. And I was happy that my brother, mom, and sister were alive because I knew that we were so close to death. And I knew that everyone was going to survive this, even though my sis, my brother and uh, mom were in a critical state. In my heart, I knew, I know them. I knew this was not the end of their story, but I just, I was in pure elation. Although I also felt physical pain. Again, modern medicine, I was on so many drugs, you know? So I was just, although I was in pain, it was tolerable because of all the drugs. But I just, I was grateful, Violet. I was grateful because I know that I had been so, so close to come to the end. And I love, I love the earth experience, you know? Like, I'm not ready to leave yet. I was not ready to leave then. And I was just grateful because it was such a close call, really. What was really interesting, and I, it took me some time to, like, look down is, I could feel that my body felt different. I didn't know the extent of my injuries yet, but I can feel that there was something just felt different. And so, yeah, when I woke up, I woke up to an external fixator that was holding my pelvis and there was a metal rod in my left leg placed. And what really tripped me out is there was a sandbag at the end of my hospital bed and attached to the sandbag was literally like a rope and attached to that rope were pins that were on my right knee. And so that was kind of just holding my leg in place, which I thought was weird. I had never seen a sandbag in a hospital room, which wow. was very peculiar to see. But I just knew so many things had happened. So it was this like yin and yang. It was this beautiful moment and feeling of, oh my gosh, I just did this and I'm in the ICU. I'm in good hands. I don't want to be here, but I know I am where I need to be. But also I was thinking, oh my goodness, like these injuries, this is, these are some serious injuries. This is going to take a lot of work. Like there's going to be such a long road to recovery. But then I would like break myself and was like, again, I, really it's a practice of being present. And bring myself back and like, okay, this is where we are. And I am just going to, I am just going to sink in the moment and just react in the best way I possibly can. And I think that's what helped me a lot, Violet, is I stayed in that space of gratitude. Really, that's all I thought of the moment, pure gratitude. That's what I'm taking from listening. And I just want to give you the space to just share. I don't want to interrupt because I just want you to share what's coming from your heart, you know? And so listening to your story is just so incredible. I mean, even um, the spiritual, the spiritual pieces that I think a lot of people don't consider. And I've heard so many of them. I've read books on, you know, this space that sometimes people go to when they go through such extreme life scenarios like you did where you kind of you leave your body and you remember things like that I believe that 100% I know some people don't I do and I I believe you I feel that you went through these things and they've changed you forever I think one of the most like fascinating things that I'm getting from this experience just listening to you is gratitude and I talk about it all day every day all the time but it's such a reminder that 
for an individual like yourself who went through something so horrific and terrible, you know, to wake up, you know, anticipating this question, I was thinking like, what would she tell me? You know, what would she say about how she felt when she woke up from surgery and putting myself in your situation? I know I can't, but just I imagining what that was, I picture, oh God, I'm it's it's scary. It's it's awful. Where's my family? Where's this? And my my legs or my body, I'm in pain screw the person who did this. This is awful. It, like thinking the worst, but what I'm hearing from you is absolutely none of that. It's hearing you say gratitude. I was ecstatic. I mean, never in a million years did I think you would say that word coming out of surgery, but I, I see it now from your perspective, why that was the word you chose, you know, that you felt this like euphoria that you were in safe hands and you knew it wasn't your time to go. And you knew, even though you didn't know, it sounds like you knew your family was going to be okay. And that's just so beautiful and heartwarming to hear like me having sweaty palms, like anxiously listening to your story because I'm feeling little bits and pieces of what you're sh sharing. Um, it's just incredible. Your story is so, so incredible. It's such a miracle because I've seen, you know, you've documented your journey on social media and seeing just bits and pieces of, um, you know, what your friend has shared and what you're sharing and the videos and just the, the wreck, the car, it's just how, how did they pull you and your family out? How are you here? It's just, I have chills thinking about it and feel chills because it's such a miracle. And I'm so grateful you're here. I'm so happy you're here because I believe you have so much beautiful life left to live, to share with so many people who love you. And I just wanted to share that briefly um, because it's what was on my heart. I'm just, it's yeah. so beautiful to hear gratitude out of all the million things you could have said is what you're feeling and what you felt. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and exactly. I mean, you just said it, it is a miracle. And I recognize that. I mean, Car accidents happen all the time, and so many lives, Violet, are lost at the hands of drunk drivers all the time, especially in that area, like wine country area, that's awful. And so, yeah, I think that's something that also, yeah, I remember waking up and just, like I said, being really grateful to be alive, and that's it. Like It's as simple as that, and knowing, knowing how big of a miracle it was. A hundred percent. And of course, I was also thinking about, so I, my brother and I were actually next, we were neighbors in the ICU, right? So that was insanely difficult. Of course, I can ground myself and I can keep myself in a space of, of um, <clears throat> what's the word, in, in, a, in a very controlled space. I could keep myself there. Um, I always wonder too, like, my whole life, have I been working, you know, towards being able to get through this kind of insane situation? It wasn't easy. Absolutely not. I mean, till the day, it's not easy. It's very hard, actually, every day. But everything, Violet, I have always believed in everything I have always practiced, everything, even from the stretches I've done, I've always been a huge pelvic floor stretcher. Everything I had worked for in to that moment in life, I just had to put it out on the table and I used absolutely everything that I knew and it helped me. But that was the difficult part. Like there was the me part, but it wasn't just me. It was a family car accident. So, and I told my best friend and I told Anton, do not keep anything from 
Like, yes, I'm sure you're going to want to protect me. You're not going to want to tell me everything. I don't care to hear the legal side of things. Who cares about that? But when it comes to my brother or my mom, I need to stay in the loop. Um, that was difficult. It was very difficult, you know, hearing nurses talking to Manuel, trying to have him open his eyes. I remember at one point um, they were talking to Manuel. Like I said, he's my neighbor. I could hear everything. Have you ever been to an ICU? I have. Yeah. Okay. So it's like those glass windows. You can see everything that's going on. There was a little glass window between my brother and I. I could not see him, but yeah, I can hear it. Uh, but they were like telling him like, hey, Manuel, open your eyes. Manuel, open your eyes. And in like desperation, I remember yelling, he can't open his eyes. He has contacts on, you know, just so like they can go in. Because I was thinking like, maybe he can't open his eyes with the contacts, like, you know. Um, but that was the hardest part is knowing what my brother was going through. I am very hands-on with my family. So the fact that I couldn't get up and just be there was torturous. That's the hardest part. The physical thing, it was the emotional, the mental fight between, oh my God, I want to get up. Like, I just want to be there. Like, I know he would be, he would feel so much better if, if mom was there, if I was there, you know, and then with my mom too. I mean, my mom, her heartbeat stopped three times. She was flown to Stanford, love Stanford. They're absolutely amazing. ICU and same, I knew she was fighting for her life as well. And so it was just, uh, it was very torturous just not being able to be there because I'm such a rock, you know, I'm, I'm such a, a, I'm such a light to them. And I just wanted to be there. I just, I, that was the hardest part is that I couldn't be there when, when I feel they most needed me. And then same, they say, the, they say the same thing to me, you know, of course, my mom's like, that's the hardest part. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there when you guys were going through this. So that's the, yeah, I think that is the most difficult Thing if someone were to ask me because we were all going through our different journeys and we couldn't be there with each other we all were just doing our own thing so yeah lots of prayer I think everyone who prayed by like I could feel them people would text and call and I was getting a bunch of calls at the beginning of course and I didn't reply like till months later um, but my best friend, Mia, was amazing at reading all the messages and reading all, you know, the prayers people were sending me and I could feel them. And when people would ask her or Anton or me what I needed, just keep praying. Send them because I could feel the love. I could feel people, you know, fighting for me um, because it is a very spiritual fight. The body heals, right? Like physically, your body wants to heal. I think the the most difficult part is keeping your brain and your heart healthy. Um, it's why a lot of people you'll hear like go through car accidents and they get on drugs and they become drug addicts and they spiral down and their their life ends because of it, you know. But we're here, and I'm happy to share that we're all doing so amazing. Okay. And thriving, not just surviving. We're thriving. Yeah. Oh, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're such a beautiful person. You're such a beautiful woman inside and out. You're a beautiful family member, friend. Um, and you've all been through so much. I mean, just I, I have been in an ICU floor. I I can only imagine what that's like being 
in your situation, feeling confined because you couldn't go anywhere and wanting so badly to help your brother. And I'm sure you being right next to him was a blessing for him because he felt your energy and your love and you screaming about the contacts. I wear contacts. So I know that's probably one of the first things I would have been like, oh my gosh, I can't see, you know, but you guys have all been through so much. I mean, in terms of, I know you mentioned the surgeries in terms of like your healing journey, gosh. And I imagine to this day, there's still so much you have to do to maintain and to help heal yourself. Um, Do you mind sharing like, your healing journey, like what you've done, what, what's worked for you, what's helped you. Absolutely. This is my favorite part. Um, through Instagram, I've used the hashtag broken pelvis recovery because in the beginning, once I was like, okay, we're on the road to walk. Right. Um, I just needed, I needed some guidance. I wanted to see what other people had done. It's actually really difficult, but so that's why I love to share because it was so difficult for me to find stuff. Um, so I have three surgeries. Like I mentioned, I broke my pelvis. I broke my pelvis in five places. So they put an external fixator that was to hold my bones in place while everything healed. In addition to that, I broke my left femur, which is actually the strongest bone in your body. They've put in a rod in there. On top of that, my right leg went into my sacrum, into my hip, popped my sacrum off. So they inserted a screw to screw the sacrum onto the pelvis, again, just to keep things together and help the bones heal. I dislocated disc C5 and C6, which an absolute, another absolute miracle. I remember a surgeon coming in and being like, you were less than a centimeter from being paraplegic. Oh my gosh. Less than a centimeter. So these like, discs instead of going through my spinal cord they literally just went up the space in that it was very minimal so so blessed and um and then I broke a rib which is those heal really easily okay so those were my injuries road to recovery was a lot of not moving the first three months I was not to move and like I said I had all this hardware up to hardware to keep everything still. My job was just not to move. I had to lay really flat for the first weeks. Slowly, I was able to introduce kind of sitting. Um, lots of patience, lots of TV, lots of good food also. That's where it started. Of course, you're in the hospital. They want to pump all this nasty food. I was very intentional about what I eat to begin with. Absolutely, I was not going to eat just whatever after knowing what my body had gone through. So Anton would bring smoothies, you know, anything, cheese, peanut butter, honey, amazing nutrients that were going to support my healing process. Mm-hmm. So that was step one. Step one is don't eat the hospital food. And the most difficult part was it was COVID. So they actually were not allowing people to bring in food and once I told Anton, like, oh, no, you can't bring in food, you know, because of COVID. So Anton would either sneak it in. Anton's the best. Um, or sneak it in. And at one point, they were like, you know, this is kind of what you have to eat. You have to eat these protein shakes. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not eating these protein shakes with a bunch of chemicals in it. If I'm going to eat a protein shake, it's going to be a real protein shake with real foods. And they ended up sending like a dietitian and... And anyway, I basically said, well, then I'm going to go on a hunger strike. 
So that's when they were like, okay, this girl, we just won't look, you know? Um, so yeah, step one was really good food. I remember having bands on my bed also. So I always like try to move my arms just because you can get blood clots and all kinds of things. So you just want to keep moving, even if it hurts. I would move my, like I said earlier, I would, I started moving my toes and I would move my ankles. I would make the ABCs with my feet. So I never stopped. The little that I can do that wasn't painful, I would do. Um, so it was months and months of, of that. And once I was on month three, I was transferred to a rehab facility called Altabates Sutter Health in Oakland. Best of the best. Absolutely amazing. And it was there that I experienced so many breakthroughs. So my body, again, had gone through so much, right? On my birthday, actually, they ended up removing my external fixator. Best gift ever. That was day 100 on my birthday. Numbers, to me, sometimes dates, sometimes I'm like, are things written out you know, already? Like, it makes me think about, it's almost too perfect sometimes. But anyway, day 100 on my birthday, they removed my external fixator out. And two days after, it was the first time I could sit. Extremely painful. It was like being a baby, Violet, really. It was like, oh my God. Because in three months, I lost so much muscle, so much strength. Didn't know what sitting was. Like, I didn't realize you use so much of your core to sit. So I was just like shaky, like, oh my goodness, what is this? And then I, tr I tried, I was really stubborn and wanting to, to get up on a walker insanely painful I knew it was going to be hard I didn't think it would be that hard and that paper I remember crying that day and telling Anton like I knew this was going to be hard but I just didn't think it was going to be this hard and then like a week later or so I was sent like I said to Alta Bates Rehab Acute Center and there I did three hours of physical therapy for three weeks every day, except Sundays. And I had amazing therapists, amazing occupational, th occupational therapists, but also it was my attitude. Like if you want to heal, you, you need to choose that. If you want to heal, choose that you want to heal, have a good attitude about it and just try your best. Even if it hurts, just try your best. We had my first shower, which was amazing on day 104, my first shower. And that was painful because I was so stiff. I hadn't moved in so long. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think one of the first things I mastered was transferring from my hospital bed to the wheelchair. And then I was able to roll downstairs go to the gym. And then that's when I would do the three hours of the most simple exercises. Things like um, I was taught before I arrived to this place. I was taught how to put my socks on, right? With this like little device that you use. And my occupational therapist, Achi, amazing, that's her name. She was like, yeah, no, you're not going to be used. She's a little bit hippie, which was perfect for me. She was like, you're not going to be using any devices. You're going to use everyday things as your therapy. So, and that was the best therapy. You're not going to use, no, if you want to put your sock on, you're going to bend over, even if it takes you 30 minutes. There's no rush. You're going to put your own sock on. I'm like, in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, do you realize how much this freaking hurts? You know, to even do that. But I was like, but I also liked it because I, I needed that little push and I trusted her. And yeah, so it was little things like that. And then 
Um, days later, I was, you know, lifting both legs up. I was doing little exercises. Um, days after that, I learned how to use my walker and, and use my arm strength to really do most of the work, you know, and get me moving. And uh, then we practiced going up steps. Um, lots of arm workouts because I had to rely on my arms a lot. So I was definitely pumping those up and um, trying to remember like oh, so many, the most simplest act- leg raises, the most simplest exercises you can think of. I just did, did. And so week three, I go home. Thank God. One of the questions they asked me is what's your goal? One was to take a shower. I haven't showered in over a hundred days. And goal two was to walk out of that rehab center. I did not want to go home on a wheelchair. I was so adamant about that. And yeah, I mastered being able to use my walker. I used my wheelchair a lot still because it was very tiresome. But yeah, and one actually experience I do want to share is I remember the first time going outside because I'd been hospitalized for what had been almost four months now. And I remember it was on my walker and it was the first time I had gone outside and it obviously was because I had been institutionalized for so long, but going outside seriously felt like going inside. It was such a, it was such a foreign feeling to be outside. It was so, it just felt strange. I was like, oh, so this is what it is to be outside, you know? That's a neat thing. But then, yeah, um, then a few days later, I ended up going home. It was three weeks in total there. And uh, I never stopped. My amazing friend Evelyn would take me out. We would go to the places I would always go to, the same restaurants, the same places in my wheelchair. She'd push me around, even though sometimes it was uncomfortable. We wouldn't, you know, go out for too long. It was whatever my body could handle. But that was the best therapy is I never stopped I'd go grocery shopping with my walker, all the simple, I'd go pump gas. I drove not to like, yeah, I just, I did all the things I always did. And it was those little things that was the best therapy. And then weeks later, I enrolled into physical therapy and I would go, you know, do kind of some more um, legitimate exercises, but really that's what it was. It was food and keeping my normal as normal as it could and allowing my body to adapt and figure out how to do these very simple tasks now another thing that really helped in my healing journey is two months and again I was very adamant about this two months after being home I was completely off all painkillers I was on so I was on fentanyl I was on Dilaudid I was on morphine I was on oxycodone so much stuff um, and I made it my goal to like, I started weaning off in the hospital and then I continued that process when I got home in two months after complete, it was very painful, by the way, very painful, but so worth it. Um, because then I could feel my body more. And then I just used amazing herbs and natural concoctions and oils to, 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 to help and alleviate the pain and inflammation. It was a lot of listening to my body, not a rest, of course, a lot of listening to my body. And one of the first things I did, in addition to physical therapy, so first thing I did kind of on my own was I went to um, the swimming pool 
I went to my local YMCA. It was uh, what is it called? Like aerobics with the senior citizens. I was obviously the youngest one there, but it's the best thing you can do when you have any kind of injury, actually, especially a really awful one, is go to a pool and just kind of let your body relax and and kind of feel movement because you get so stuck. Physically, you can't move, but then mentally you're scared to move because you're like, am I going to hurt something? So yeah, pool is the best thing. And then I always tell people, like, you're going to know when you can do something next because weeks later, then I started going to hot yoga. And the first day I just laid there in a hot room and like just let my body sweat and allow the muscles to relax. And then I went back and then I was able to do some of the standing stuff always. But by that time I was using my cane. I was no longer on walker. So I went from bed to wheelchair to walker to cane. And it was, yeah, once I was in my cane was when I was doing the swimming and the hot yoga, Pilates. All the things, all the things. And I actually, uh, it's uh, linked in my bio. I actually have this document where I've collected all the natural remedies I use and everything um, so people can use it because it's the best. It worked and it still works. I mean, right now I'm sipping on sea moss and condendula flower, which is amazing for inflammation and honey and collagen peptides and boron. You don't need drugs to heal your body. I think a lot of people know, and I know for sure, the body wants to heal. You need to learn how to support your own body. And everybody's bodies are different. And if you just, like I said, if you choose the attitude of, I want to heal my body, listen to your body, you'll know what it wants. I am so positive that anyone listening is going to feel so inspired to just live life more because of your words and your story. And I mean, I'm just so proud just listening to you going back. Um, I'm so well aware of how horrific as a health coach, I'm so well aware of how, how awful the food is in hospitals and you advocating is so one of like the best things listening to your story is advocating for yourself, advocating when you know something is not good for you. And you did that and Anton helped you. And I'm so happy to hear that because it's so important. You are what you eat, you know, your cells need good food, real food, not chemicals. So that that's so beautiful that you, that you were going to go on a hunger strike. You need to write your book, Yvonne. This is like a whole, <laughs> there's so much to this. So shifting a little bit and only if you're comfortable sharing, but it's something, you know, when I first heard, I think it was Gabby and then John and then Tim texting me, did you hear about Yvonne? And, and immediately like, I remember exactly the moment I, I learned about what had happened and I was in my bedroom and I literally sank into my bed and I got so emotional and I couldn't believe it. I thought, who, why, like what, you know, just uh, trying to understand. And I know you've come such a long way, but if you consider we're all human, we all make mistakes, some really grave, some not so much, but considering the individual that caused all of this, what words do you have, if any, and it's okay if you don't, for that person today, thinking, thinking back, or just now you were like how you feel today about this person or the the actions that this person took? Definitely. I um, actually 
not too long ago had the opportunity to go to the sentencing and wrote this long letter and was able to say it to this person's face and it felt really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really was centered around don't drive if you're drunk. Mm -hmm. Don't drive if you're drunk. It's a crime. You, one, could have killed a whole family or one person out of this family. Um, Like I said earlier, it happens all the time. So many lives are lost at the hands of irresponsible people choosing to not only drive drunk, but then drive recklessly, right? So um, yeah, to this person, it's just, uh, if I could go back and, and, you know, I wish there was a little voice that would have warned him or something like, don't do it. This is your third DUI. Like, haven't you learned the lesson yet? Don't do it. Don't do it. And um, I hope he never does it again. But that's all I can say is I hope he never does it again. And and anyone listening to this and just don't drive if you're drunk. Don't get in a vehicle with someone who you know has been drinking and a car accident can happen so quickly with you when you're sober let alone when, when you're drunk. Um, and yeah, I, uh, that's really, that's really all I have to say is, um, I really wish you wouldn't have done it, you know, because now you really have left a family picking up the pieces and yes, you know, we all have really amazing attitudes and have put our best foots forward, but it was so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe that, we had to go through this. I don't think anyone has to go through things that could be avoided. Yes, there's life lessons, totally believe in that. But um, a car accident, this huge, where I now have like lifelong, I mean, this hardware will be in my body forever. I will, my lifestyle has changed. Thank God, I've always been very, you know, active and cared about my body, but it's definitely heightened that, you know, I, I have to stretch even more than I used to stretch. I have to be really consistent if I want to work, if I want to even just be sitting here, you know, without it being painful. Um, so it's this lifelong lifestyle, right. Um, that has been added not only to me, to my brother, to my mom. And it does anger me sometimes because, it was just, it was just so unnecessary, you know, so unnecessary. Um, so I just really hope that person never does it again. And and I hope that no one drives drunk. It's not, there's, there's Uber now, there's Lyft, soon Zooks, you know, like there's all these things that you can use and, and you know, for transportation. But um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Can I ask, and I, I don't, I'm not, um, and it's okay if you don't know, or if you don't want to share, but I'm just thinking, I didn't know that this was his third DUI. Do we know what this individual, like, what is the, and there's no amount of like punishment or, you know what I mean? Do we know what he's had to do since, or is it still like illegal? It's still being discussed. He was sentenced 16 years. 16 years. 
And he's very young. So I just hope that the moment he gets released, he, that's really, again, that's all I can say. I just hope he never does it again because he's young enough to, you know, be released and do it again, 100%. And, and I just really hope that he never um, kills anybody because he, he easily could have. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't even go there, but I don't even like to think about that. But it was just so easily one of us could have died. And that would have been just, oh my God. I don't even, I can't even think about it. Um, but like I said, so easily one of us could have died I could have died um, but uh, so yeah I really just hope that person never does it and then it like I said it felt really good to to say everything that I had to say to his face in his eyeballs mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah so shifting a little bit more on a positive note um you started creating these beautiful sterling rings. So I want, if you're comfortable sharing like this, this business that you have, do you mind sharing yes. what you do now? Yes. So Scarlet Sky Alchemy. Um, so I've always loved jewelry. I've always thought about silversmithing, but never really had the time. And it really was COVID, the beginning of covid I wasn't going into the office. I found myself with so much time. I wasn't driving to work. I wasn't going out. I was home. And I was like, this is the time. I'm going to teach myself how to how to make rings out of silver and gemstones. And completely self-taught. YouTube is amazing. You can learn anything on YouTube. And yeah, I just invested, got everything I needed, silver tools, my workbench, and yeah, it was just practice, practice, practice until the moment I felt like, oh, these are cool. I would actually buy this, you know, from someone. And it was in that moment where I kind of released them to the world and still working on, on a few. Um, yeah, that's really how it started. It was birthed. It was one of those. It was birthed out of all the time that we found ourselves during COVID. I love it. I love it. They're beautiful. Um, Thank you. And we're all like sustainably source all the gemstones the silver um so they're beautiful they really are and right now um the messages or the collection that I'm, I worked on it's called here and it really is just kind of a, a celebration to being here on earth which is very interesting because I started these rings before my car accident and they were all already stamped with the word here Mm. right and then so I'm telling you I'm like this life is connections of life coming together (laughs) exactly everything is connected no nothing's a coincidence definitely everything everything is connected um everything synchronizes and everything makes sense one day Mm -hmm. really it all makes sense one day and so I already had all these these rings and I just kind of had to finish them and they were all stamped with the word here and and uh and that's one of my strengths is I am really good at staying here in the moment and it helped me from the moment I gained consciousness in the vehicle, you know, to just really stay present to um, being on a, on a bed in the same four walls day after day, as hard as it was, it was kind of just remaining in the moment and it's hard 
because you don't want to be in the moment. You don't want to be like, oh yeah, I'm here in the hospital. This is great. But the, I, I also want to clear that up. It's here in your connections to people, being really present with the nurses and the surgeons and the staff. I made so many amazing friends out of this because I was just present and like, I'm here and I'm going to be the absolute best patient you guys have ever seen. And I was, and I was told that again and again, but again, it was, it was my choice is the attitude I choose to have. And into today, you know, being here and just showing up in the best way I could for myself um, to continue healing myself, showing up for my family in the best way, because they're also still healing, um, showing up for Anton in the best way, you know, our support systems should also be recognized and should also be supported because it's, it's hard work. You know, I am the kind of person, I think maybe you're like this too, where you can go through things, but it also, it like almost hurts more when someone else goes through it. You're like, I wish I, like, not that I wish I was going through that, but I know I can hold my own and I, I feel more empathetic towards others than myself. Um, but yeah, and here we are. And then here I am with you. So Here we are. It's perfect. It's all everything and it's strange, odd, but miraculous, divine timing, I believe. Absolutely. So, I mean, I feel like you may have already answered this, but I, I like to now wrap up my podcast interviews with the final question, question, which is what does it mean for you to venture a life that you love? Yeah, I love that question. Venture into a life that you love. I think it's about making all the little simple things amazing, you know, um, just making kind of little rituals of everything. Um, I think that that's the best form of having a life full of love and venturing a life full of love. It's, it's the little things. It's when you make your coffee. It's when you make your tea. It's when you're stretching, you know, it's when you're talking to someone, really listening and practice, you know, good listening skills and, um, and dancing through it all, you know, regardless of what it is you're going through, life is going to deal things to you. It is, it's life. That's the point. It's a, it's earth school, right? It's the point. So um, whatever comes your way, just be the best you possibly could. And it doesn't mean you don't have bad days. It doesn't mean you don't cry almost every day, um, you know, but it, it just means feeling it all as it comes and doing your best. Simple as that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Yvonne. I'm so grateful. And I mean this, you are truly, when I think of sunshine, ray of sunshine, your face pops up in my mind because that's exactly truly, truly, truly what you are. I think everyone listening will benefit so much from hearing your voice and your story and just your pure joy and desire to truly fully live life. And I'm so blessed and happy you're with us and you're here and thank you. I mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being my friend and for being open to sharing all of this. And I appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Violet. I appreciate you. Thank you for creating the space. I had not sat and answered these questions. Um, so yeah, this is really good for me too. Yeah. Lots of healing from this too. It's really good to talk about things. So I appreciate that. 
Thanks for tuning into the Venture Love Podcast. If you love this episode as much as I did, make sure to rate and subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And if you want to continue the conversation and share your biggest takeaways, I would love to hear from you. Yes, you. Head on over to my Instagram at violet underscore ventures to share your favorite part, grab a freebie, learn about my latest offerings, or check out my latest blog. I can't wait to connect and hear from you. This is Violet, and I'll see you next time on the Venture Love Podcast.